Can we turn the heat down or turn the AC on or do something? I mean, I, whatever works, you know what I'm saying? I mean, open the door, yeah. I, I was in worship and I was like, dang, it's hot. Dang, it's hot. It's probably just me. I'll find out when I get up front. No, it's everybody. So it's a whole lot easier to preach in a cold church than a hot church. Amen. Not that we want cold or hot. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll take the fan on. I'll take some ice cubes. Yes, ma'am. Um, I don't know. What age group is it? Where's Teresa at? What age group goes to the back? What is it, 12 and under? Yeah. They're pretty cool. Hey, they're way cooler than I am. And they're snacks. <laughs> and they're snacks, you know what I'm saying? And you probably go outside as well. But your choice. The ball's in your court. Whatever you want to do, man. Yeah. Cool. Matthew chapter 6. And um, we're going to continue uh, down the, the road that we've been walking down. And uh, just been super excited about this series. But, um, you know, we've been talking about the importance of a visible demonstration of the kingdom of God in the earth and um, how, how important that is. You know, we, we want to uh, thank God for church, man. Thank God for Sunday morning. And, and I'm grateful for this time where we get to come together and we get to, um, to feed and to pour into each other. Um, how many you know you, you can't really access a place of worship that we were in like that by yourself. You need other people. And there's something about when we come together as the body of Christ, there's special things that happen. And, and uh, you know, the enemy really wants to try to get us to forsake the assembling of ourselves together because he wants to weaken us. And so um, we have to fight that, man. We have to fight against that. And we have to really start to try to stay connected to each other and come together because there's strength um, that's here. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, the news that's coming from the pulpit will be more accurate than the news that's coming from the media. I have a news uh, report for you. There's a joy coming to the body of Christ. True. There's a joy that's coming. And um, it, this joy is going to be so strong, um, it's going to cause you to forget some pain. And it's going to cause you to forget some struggle. And it's going to, uh, it's going to restore you and it's going to strengthen you. How many of the joy of the Lord is your strength? And God wants to bring a fresh strength into your life um, that um, is bigger than the circumstance. How I many you know in the early church when there was persecution, and it talks about in the book of James, that there was also a joy that was unleashed. Remember that there's a joy that's unleashed in times of persecution? And um, that's what's going to happen to the body of Christ. There's going to be a joy that's unleashed, and it's actually going to make the church attractive again um, because the church has been ugly for a long time. And uh, people haven't wanted the church. Legalism makes the church ugly. Uh, how many of you know we didn't come here to glorify anybody but Jesus? I mean, we didn't come here to glorify me. We didn't come here to glorify this church. We didn't come here to glorify you. We came here to glorify Jesus. How many of you know there's no one in this room that's any better than anybody else? I mean, we all are equal in the eyes of God. Amen. This, this row is not more holy than this row. This row is not more holy than that row. There's an equality that's in the body of Christ. How many of you know there's no one in this room that has more of a right to Jesus than anybody else? We all, have, there's, we all have the same right. You know, one person didn't get more of Jesus than somebody else when they got saved. And how many know that you can't earn anything from God? It's all free. And uh, it's yours. Amen? And so uh, legalism does not teach that, and it turns the house of God into something very ugly. And where people are trying to earn it, and there's one group of people that's better than another group of people, and there's all this weird spiritual Olympics going on, and it's not really a family. Everybody's just trying to get their spot and do whatever they can, and that's not the kingdom, that's not, that's actually very ugly, and God is restoring the beauty of his bride, and how many know everybody wants to be happy? I dare say even the heathens want to be happy. When I was a heathen, I wanted to be happy, you know, I was a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, crazy man, and I was just trying to be happy, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I just thought I could find happiness in the party life, and for a short season, there was, how many of the Bible says sin's pleasurable for a season? There was a season where I, I, there was a level of happiness that I found in that. But, you know, fast forward to a time when I'm 19 years old and I'm a full-blown drug addict and uh, I'm now in bondage to addiction. I'm not happy no more at all. Uh, the enemy will promise you a false freedom <clears throat> but deliver slavery. But everybody just wants to be happy. And God is, and how many know that material things can't make you happy? They might make you happy for a weekend. They might make you happy for a week. Or whatever, just in the sense of being, you know, excited about something that's new. But how I many everything eventually gets old? I don't care what it is. 
new clothes, new car, new house, you know, new spouse. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's a joke. That's a joke. And that's a joke. <laughs> it's a bad joke. It's a joke, though. Not true. I know, Paul. Forgive me. Paul's like, I got a rock in my pocket, and I'll throw it. Just kidding. No, not true. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No, that's a joke. But things can't make you happy. And I'll take it, I will take it a step further. People can't make you happy. It's not someone's job to be your happiness. And if you make it someone's job to be your happiness, you're going to be disappointed and they're going to have too much pressure. The reality is the only thing that's really lasting and can really bring a sense of true happiness in your life is joy. And how many of God's joy is not based on your circumstance? How many of you can have joy in the midst of the, of the trial, in the midst of the storm? So there's a joy that's coming to the body of Christ, and it's going to make the church attractive, and it's going to actually make the, the deceived want what we have, specifically the young people. The young people are going to, there's going to be a party in the house of God. There's going to be a joy in the house of God. How many of prodigal sons don't come home for church services? They come home for parties. It's true. And can't nobody party like God parties? God's not boring and dull. Heaven is not a boring, dull place. It's a straight-up party. There's joy. But uh, the world has counterfeited this and tried to make it into something that it's not. How many know they're not actually happy? You ever notice Hollywood's not happy? You know, they try to pretend like they're happy. They try to, to, to you know, they, they do their best to pretend. But at the end of the day, those people are miserable. Because how many know this world cannot provide lasting joy to you. The only thing that can really make you happy is Jesus Christ. And so there's a joy that's coming to the body of Christ, and it's bigger than a Sunday morning service. It's bigger than just church. It's going to be out in the streets. It's going to be something that God does publicly. There's going to be a public display of the kingdom of God. And uh, no one's going to know how to control it. No one's going to know how to uh, take credit for it. And there's going to be a, a tremendous move of God, and it's going to bring lots and lots of people to Jesus, and it's going to be awesome. And uh, we, are, we, are in, uh, we are in the early stages of it right now because God wants to demonstrate His kingdom. And the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. And so there's a joy that's coming. Amen? And uh, how many know Christians have been just as miserable as non-Christians? Like, we have not been joyous as of late. <laughs> in fact, a lot of the times we've been disgruntled because we don't like what's going on. And we're angry because of what's going on. Listen, it's okay to be angry against evil. Evil is evil. You should hate evil. That's a good quality to have. Hate evil. Oh, did you? Praise God. Well, join the club, brother. You're in a room full of people who have been kicked off Facebook. <laughs> it's a part of it, man. But, but we can't. But, what, but God's letting us know that our anger doesn't change people. It just doesn't. And it actually doesn't do a lot for us. Uh, God wants to restore to us the joy of our salvation because when you have a joy that's exuding off of you, how many of you people are attracted to you? And then when we point them to Jesus, then they can receive the same joy that we have. And so I really believe there, there, is, a, um, there is something that's coming, an outpouring of God's Spirit, and one of the primary aspects of it is there's going to be just a joy that happens. And it's going to strengthen us in the midst of tribulation. And it's going to remind us that there's more that are with us than that are with the enemy. And what's cool about our kingdom is, how many know our kingdom will take somebody that's in, in the midst of darkness and switch them over to light in just a moment of time? I used to be a part of the kingdom of darkness. I was an atheist. I was a drug addict. I was anti-God. I was anti-Christ. I attacked Christianity. And here I am preaching the gospel now because that's how God does things. Like God, just he'll just come over and just boop. Flip the switch on, and then all of a sudden, change teams. <laughs> now you're on the other team. How I many of the same thing happened with Saul of Tarsus? How I many of he was attacking the things that God was doing, and then God got a hold of him, flipped a switch on, and you know he stepped out of darkness into light, and then how I many of he changed teams? So a lot of these people, they're going to change sides. They're going to change teams, and they're going to start carrying the gospel that they once attacked. And so, um, but we are called to demonstrate the kingdom, and so. This kingdom is going to be in demonstration. It's going to be in demonstration in our lives, in our homes, um, in, in our workplaces. And um, because, how I many know, we have a kingdom that can't be shaken. All the, all the kingdoms of the earth are being shaken right now. All the governments are being shaken. Ain't nobody know what's going on. But the king of our kingdom is quite comfortable on his throne. He's still giving commands. He's still calling the shots. If we'll listen, and how I many know, he will lead you and guide you into life. Amen. And uh, the best days of your life are in front of you. 
The best days of your life are not behind you. God never does things like that. He never says the glory of the former house is greater than the latter. God always saves the best wine for last. God always does the best towards the end. And the enemy will work overtime to say, well, see, you messed this up, you messed that up. Look, your best days are behind you. That's a lie. That's actually not true. That's not scriptural. Um, it's not what God has for you. How many of you know God has plans for everybody in here right now? He's got plans for you. He's got ideas for you. He's got things that he wants for your life. And so don't allow that dark shroud that's tried to just encompass the minds of men in our present age to infiltrate your heart because we have good days ahead. Can I get an amen? How many of you are tied to a system that's greater than this world system, right? And if you'll notice, God is all, and one of the things we're eventually going to get into in this series is we're going to take a look at how God always prospers his people when the world's in famine. It's true. It's, it's biblical. Every time the world, everything's going crazy in the world, God prospers his people. Why? Because God wants you to be somebody else's miracle. He does. He wants you to take care of the people around you. He wants you, you know, just like Monday, we're going to go out into the community and you guys are invited to come if you've never been. <clears throat> we're going to feed everybody. We're going to bless everybody in the community. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to be a blessing to them. Or we're going to shine the light of Jesus. We're going to be a supply to them. And God is not scared. And so, and we shouldn't be either. How I many know we're a part of a different kingdom? We're a part of something that's stronger than the American dollar. Can you get an amen? But, but we just can't, we can't get afraid and get caught up in what's going on in the world and forget that the kingdom is within us. Amen? How I many you know there's a blessing on your life that's stronger than the stock market? There's a blessing on your life that's stronger than what's happening in your industry. It's the truth. It's a reality. It's, these are facts. Amen? And so the kingdom of God is within us. So Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, <clears throat> um, this is kind of the springboard verse that we've had going since we started this series. And uh, it's actually the Lord's Prayer, but God really began to highlight it to me. It says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. How I many know the primary message of the, that Jesus came is he came preaching the kingdom? He's like, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. Repent. The kingdom of God is here. How many of the word repentance is the word metanoia? It means to change your mind. Change the way you're thinking. How many of you always telling the Jews, quit looking at the Roman Empire? I've got an empire greater than the Roman Empire. Amen. How many of God did all of his amazing work right under an oppressive regime? The entirety of Jesus' life and ministry was under an oppressive regime that hated them. And how many of you they couldn't stop what was happening? How many of you know when the Spirit of God fell in the book of Acts, the Roman government couldn't stop it? How many of you know that the, the religious people couldn't stop it? The Pharisees and the Sadducees running around saying, do you have a right to this? Do you have authority to this? Where do you get your authority from? How many of you know, ain't nobody care when the power of God shows up? Because when the power of God shows up, no one can question it. And great and mighty things happen, and it turned the world upside down at that time, and they did not need cooperation with anybody. How many know you and God are a majority? Always. Always. Anyway, and so the, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we find out that when God's kingdom is present, I mean, a king is a king's domain, and that when the king is present, how many of the king's will is happening? Well, the thing that, 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 that really turned the world upside down in the short three and a half years of Jesus' ministry is how many know wherever Jesus was, the kingdom was? And whatever Jesus said was going to happen, that's what happened. How many know they tried to kill him? They couldn't kill him. They was always trying to kill him. They couldn't nobody kill him. Why? He's the king. He's the king of the kingdom. They didn't have enough food to feed everybody. Well, the king's there. Just let the king speak. The king spoke, the bread was broken, the fish were, were, were halved, and how many know they fed multitudes? And they just didn't feed multitudes, they had, they had tons left over. Because God never does just enough. Because there's no concept of lack in God's kingdom. How I many know they're not in heaven worried about asphalt? We're talking about Jeremiah. How I many know the asphalt in heaven is gold? Like, God shows you where his priorities are at. He's like, yeah, we walk on that stuff up here. It's asphalt, you know. But how many know they're not, like, struggling to come up with more asphalt? Why? Because they got all the gold that they want. They got all, they, they, if you look in the scriptures, it's, it's adorned with tremendous beauty. How many know there's no lack in heaven? Yeah. 
And God says, let His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's will for your life is that there's no lack of love. There's no lack of peace. There's no lack of provision. There's no lack, period. There's power in the kingdom. And wherever Jesus was, the kingdom was present. But then how many know Jesus came and he demonstrated the kingdom, and then he gave authority to his disciples to demonstrate the kingdom, but then when he died and he was resurrected, and then 40 days later when the Spirit of God came down in Pentecost, how many know the, the fire was lit and the kingdom began to advance? And then for thousands of years, the, the torch is being patched, and the kingdom has been advancing and advancing and advancing. And the enemy's tried to put out the light. He's tried to stop the gospel. Because without a revelation of the gospel, the kingdom is not present. Man-made religion is present. Man-made religion is not the kingdom of God. Once again, we didn't come here to glorify anybody here but Jesus. How many of you the only one that needs to be glorified is Jesus? How many of you we didn't come here to talk about the cool stuff that you've done? Or the cool stuff that I've done? How many of you we've not actually come to talk about your mistakes or my mistakes? How many of you we've come to step out of the way and talk about Jesus and what He did? And see, and the gospel is the good news that the cross was a success. Your sin is forgiven. You're right with God. And now you have a right to every single promise that God has for you. And the good news to the world is this. All their sin is forgiven. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of how much of the world? The whole daggone world. The whole, all the sin of all mankind has been taken care of. So now our job is to let them know that this is true. We are ministers of reconciliation. How I many you know we're not ministers of accusation? We're not. If you're just running around trying to point out everybody's sin, you're missing the point. Declare what God has done. I'm not saying that we agree with sin. I'm not saying that sin is the will of God. How I many know oh, God hates sin? But like, you don't change people by pointing out what's wrong with them. The lost need to hear the good news that God's not mad at them, that God has taken care of their sin, and He has promised to give them a new life, an eternal life. When I was 19 years old, I had managed to make my life awful. Like I lived in days of hell on earth is what I lived in because I always did what I wanted to do, and what I produced was hell on earth. But what God, the promise that God gave me is that i got a new life for you. I will give you a life that you've never had. So here I was, full of sin, total heathen, but like the gospel came to me and it was like, there's a new life for you. How many know God has that message for the entire world? And everybody that will believe that can step into eternal life. They can step out of darkness into marvelous light. And the kingdom can advance. It's like leaven and bread and it's going to take over. Amen? But when the enemy comes in and he tries to throw a monkey wrench in and make it all about us and what we've done and our deeds... I'm not, listen, I'm not saying your conduct isn't important. How many of you, how many of you know the way you treat people is very important? How many of you know your love walk is important? It's very important. But listen, you cannot give what you haven't received. The only way you're going to love people around you well is if you know how much God loves you. Because we love because He first loved us. And if you can receive the love of God for you, it'll teach you how to love yourself which in, and as you learn how to love yourself with God's love for you, it'll show you how to love the people around you. And then if you let it continue to flow, it'll teach you how to love your enemies. And that's what changes the world. Love is what changes the world. You guys hear about that high priest that got saved here recently? The satanic high priest that got saved? It's awesome, man. There's a guy out of uh, South Africa, and he was this high-ranking satanic priest. And they had put together some type of panel where the satanic priests were debating the Christians and, um, you know, something was going on. And, you know, and how many know nothing ever gets done in debates and stuff like that, you know? But at the end of the debate, this woman came up to this satanic high priest and she gave him a hug. And she hugged him with the love of God. And the man was completely confounded. He had never experienced Anything like that ever. How I many you know when you come into contact with an unconditional love, it'll change you? And it threw him for a total loop. And, and you know what he did? He stepped down from the priesthood. He, he renounced Satanism. He got born again. All because of one simple act of love. Not a thousand debates. 
not a thousand sermons, one simple act of releasing the genuine love of God. See, the enemy has no attack against love. That's why he's always trying to get you mad. That's why he's always trying to get you offended. Because your anger is not going to change somebody. In fact, how many of you know flesh against flesh just produces more flesh? Pride against pride just produces more pride. We are not going to argue people into the kingdom. I'm not saying there's not a time to, to lay out what you believe. There's not a time to come together with, your, with, with thoughts and things like that and reason with people. But I'm saying at the end of the day, the thing that really, what we have that no one else has is unconditional love. And that's what wins. Because can't nobody stop it. Can't nobody fight it. It's like it never fails. And so God wants that flowing through us, which is going to cause change in the world. And then the kingdom will continue to advance. And people that were our enemies or our adversaries will actually become those that carry the cross with us. That's how we win. We don't win through fighting them. We win through loving them. Now, by loving them, we're not saying what they're doing is okay. That's really important. I'm not saying, you know, me loving somebody who's in sin, I'm not saying their sin is right. If you are saying that their sin is okay, then you don't know what, love, what the love of God is. Because there's another trap of the enemy where it's like this, this, this sense of all-inclusive love. Everything's okay and everything's all right and this is okay. No, it's not. Their evil is evil, good is good. We condemn evil. And we will always condemn evil. Why? Because it kills people. But in the midst of condemning, you know, when Jesus caught the woman in the act of adultery, he never said, oh, it's okay, honey, do whatever you want. God loves you. He never said that. Now, he forgave her. He gave her the gift of no condemnation. But he said, go your way and sin no more. Why? Because he knew if she went and sinned more, it was going to kill her. I mean, you know, her life got spared that time. But if she did it again, who knows if Jesus was going to be around to take care of the issue. How I many you know if she went back and did it again, she might die. Now, in her death, how I many you know God would still love her? And God still has paid for her sins. But how I many you know sin produces death? And so any concept that, that of love that says, well, everything is okay, that's not biblical love. And that's the enemy trying to hijack our word. <laughs> how I many you know love is God's word, not the enemy's word? They have a concept of love that's not true. No, but God's love will set people free from sin. Amen. It's true. And so the kingdom is coming. God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the king. No, the kingdom is not coming. The kingdom is here. And so let's, let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter eight. And I want to talk about just operating in the kingdom, functioning in the kingdom, allowing it to flow through you um, because God, because Jesus wants to express himself through you. Not just in church. Church is where you come and get your cup filled up, and, 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 and you, you, you also give. You know, you give of yourself, you give of yourself, but at the same time, you're here to receive. How I many you know we're in here pouring in each other's cups this morning? It's cool, it's good. And we should all leave stronger than when we walked in. That's how church should operate. We're here to get edified, but you don't stop being the church when you leave the building. How I many you know that's ministry actually happens? Like, like the real ministry. This is 1% of ministry right here. I'm talking about, I mean, you know, we want the kingdom of God present in Starbucks. That's where we want it. We want the kingdom of God right there. I want kingdom of God in Starbucks. I want kingdom of God in Walmart. Kingdom of God in your job. Kingdom of God in your house. <clears throat> because we want the king's dominion. Because his will is that on earth as it is in heaven. How many of y'all things are going real smooth in heaven right now? There's joy, there's love, there's peace, there's no lack, there's no depression. That's God's will for you and I on earth. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 4 says, Where the word of a king is, there is power. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what are you doing? Where the word of a king is, there is power. Now, how many know that God's power is expressed through words? Let me know that God spoke everything into existence. Everything that you currently see, including yourself, was made by a word. So we think that things are strong. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. 
We're, that's wrong. Words are more powerful than physical reality. Because words created this. Now, now you, because you're a human being, you have the ability to speak. I mean, that none of the other created beings on earth have the ability to speak words. You are special. You've been given authority. And the way you exercise your authority is through words. The enemy has no authority. We looked at that last week. How many of the devil has been robbed of all authority? He's fallen. He's stripped of all authority. So now he tries to hijack the authority of mankind by using their words. You ever notice how popular music usually speaks death and violence? You know why it speaks death and violence? Because the enemy uses the authority of the masses to bring forth death and violence through the words that are saying and the words that are spoken. All the crazy lawlessness that we're seeing in the earth right now, it's the seeds have been sown for this for years. This is just a fruition. This is just the fruit of words that have been spoken for a long time. And one of the primary ways the enemy attacks the earth is through the entertainment industry. It's gotten so bad, it's, it's hard to even find anything that I'm willing to watch anymore. Because they're always trying to take shots. They're always trying to like, they're either trying to scare you or, they're, or whatever. I don't even want to start walking down the road. But, but what they want is your mouth. Because if they can get you to speak in line with what they're saying, then they can use your own authority against you. So all human beings have a level of authority in the words that they speak. But how many of you know as a born-again person, you have a higher authority? You know why? Because the king's in you. Where the word of a king is, there's power. How many of you know there's no king higher than King Jesus? And King Jesus is looking to use your mouth to exercise his authority in the earth. Your prayer is going to get done. The words that you speak, your prayer is going to get more done than arguing with people on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it just is. Like, it's going to get your words, your, your speaking, your prayer. It's going to get things done because God needs your authority. That's why Jesus said, God said, pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why is it important for us to pray? Why can't God just do whatever he wants whenever he wants to do it? Because he's given authority to mankind. And so, like, he needs your mouth to bless your family. How many of the enemy would try to use your mouth to curse your family? How the enemy would try to use your mouth to curse yourself? What is a curse, Jeremiah? I'm not just talking about curse words. I'm talking about speaking ill. I'm talking about speaking bad things. If you are speaking bad things over your family and over yourself, you're cursing them. Don't do it. Just quit. Speak life. Don't speak death. I mean, you know, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, if I, if I take an individual and all I tell them is they're no good and they're never going to amount to anything and they're never going to measure up and they're bad, they're bad, they're bad, they're bad, how many know that I am empowering them to fail? See, you got to come to a place where you may see darkness, but you speak light. How many know God saw darkness, but he spoke light? How many know God calls those things which be not as though they are? God spoke to Abraham and said, you're a father of many nations. He spoke that to an old man with no kids who had a barren wife. Looks crazy, right? But God knows that once he says it, it's a done deal. And how many know that that God, that king is inside of you, and he wants you to speak life over America? He wants you to speak life over the public school system. There's so much complaining right now. There's so much fault finding. There's so much, we have an acute ability to spot what's wrong and talk about it. And then like, and then we have, we just want to complain. You ever get around people just want to complain and talk about that? And I listen, I know there's a time when you got to vent. There's a time when you got to talk about things. How many of you know that's important to have safe places where you can vent? I'm not saying those things aren't important because you need to be able to just be like, look, I got to vent for a little bit. How many of you know King David vented a little bit in the Psalms? So it's okay. I'm not saying you got to be fake. But what I am saying is like you have an authority to change the world around you and it's done through you agreeing with what God has said about somebody or what God has said about our nation or what God has said about your finances or the health of your body or your children or your marriage or whatever. I mean, you know, we got to say what God has said. 
Because that's the way the kingdom operates. The kingdom operates through words. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Revelations uh, chapter 1, 5 and 6, don't turn there. I'm just going to read it to you for sake of time. It says, and, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God forever. God has given, he's made us kings and priests. He's made us, he's given us authority in the kingdom. Now let's turn to Matthew chapter 8, please. And I just want to show you, we've been talking about the kingdom for the past couple weeks, but the kingdom is released through words. It's through what you say. Jesus used his words to get things done. And, you know, another thing that we looked at, and I'm not going to go there, I'm just going to read it to you for sake of time. But Matthew chapter 12 and verse 28, talking about the kingdom, Jesus said, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom has come upon you. How can you enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first bind the strong man and then he will plunder his house? Jesus says, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom has come upon you. Listen, where the kingdom is present, authority is displayed. I mean, when the kingdom was around, darkness was fleeing. So what I want to show you is there's an authority. Can we, can we turn the fan off now? There's an authority that's on the inside of you that's stronger than the darkness around you. And when you release that authority, you're going to change the atmosphere. You're going to change what's going on around you. Because where the kingdom is present, there is authority. Can I get an amen on that? You have authority, right? And, and that authority comes out of the fact that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we've been looking at this in times past, but once again, how many you know this authority is not something that you earn? You're born into it. And the example I've been using is King Charles. How many know that he was Prince Charles, right? But how many know he's king? How did, did, he did not become king through something good that he did. He, he, be, he became king because he was born into a bloodline. That's why he's king. You know why you have authority? Because you've been born into a bloodline. I don't care what your family looked like. I don't care what your past looked like. How many know you got a new bloodline? You're a part of a new family. You may have come from a great family, but it's still the, the family that God has invited you into is greater than any place that you came from. And so this authority that you have, it's the product of you having a new identity. How many of you have a new identity in Christ? So the, you operating in this authority, it's not based upon something that you've done externally to earn it or to deserve it. It's because the king has moved inside of you and you're now a new creation. Say, I am new. So it's so important to understand that. Like, because if you think, if you start looking at yourself, the enemy will talk you out of your authority. Well, you can't operate in authority because look at what you've done. And, the, and he'll always, and see, you just can't roll like that. Just please don't do that. It doesn't, it like, it is so, no one in this room is worthy outside of Jesus. No one has ever been worthy outside of Jesus. Jesus is the only one that's capable of making anybody worthy. And because his blood was so pure, because he did such a good job, <clears throat> he's made you worthy to operate in the kingdom. And I'm not more worthy because I'm a pastor, and you're not less worthy because you're not. And how I many know it's also not based on age? Can I get an amen? How I many of you, a nine-year-old born-again believer has just as much authority in the realm of the Spirit as someone who's 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60? Can I get an amen? Because you don't grow in righteousness. It's a gift that's given to you. Man, if we can just open our eyes to this, it's going to change the way we walk, to change the way we talk, to change the way we live. Because the enemy works overtime to try to get you looking at you. And if you look at you, a couple of things are going to happen. You're either going to get depressed because you don't think you measure up, or you're going to get a big head and get, and get full of pride because you think you're awesome. Yep. Both are completely wrong. Because you did, it's not your good deeds that brought you into the kingdom, and it's not your bad deeds that disqualify you from the kingdom. How many of the thief on the cross was just as righteous as Peter, James, and John? How many of the thief got to heaven, right? How do you get to heaven? You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's no other way to get there. You can't get there in and of yourself, Right? And as I'm saying these things, I'm just reminding you as I'm talking about the kingdom, this is your stuff. This is your, you're invited into this. But how many know if you don't use it, you can't enjoy it? 
I feel like I buy my mom a GPS like once a year. Like I do. I buy her a GPS. I get her a, a cell phone. She doesn't use either one. And and like and 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 so like she got GPS. They got GPS. But like when we're when we're going somewhere, it's a challenge. Because A, I can't call them because they won't carry a phone. And B, they don't know where they're going. And so like if they can't see me, I've lost them. And I'm like, they're gone. And then we will go to where we're trying to go. And there I am. I am powerless. I can't call them. And they won't use their GPS or they won't use it effectively. <clears throat> and so it's, I just got to be on the side of the road like, has anyone seen my mom? You know, because you know, I mean like, because like, and so... <laughs> God love them. This, this is my life. I mean, I'm, I, and I probably don't handle it well. I'm like nervous when they're following me. I'm like, oh gosh, I got to drive real slow. I got to make sure that they can, you know, I'm just like watching for them and stuff like that. And stepdad's all passive aggressive, driving really slow. Just wearing me out. Praise God. Hallelujah. Bless them, Lord. But anyway, <laughs> bless their darling hearts. Hallelujah. Uh, but they have the power of GPS. They got it. I bought them a nice Garmin GPS, big print, like easy to use, like big print, like boop, 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 go. And it'll tell them where to go, but like they won't use it. And so it means nothing. It just sits on their dash. You have the kingdom of God in you. The very righteousness of Almighty God is in you. The peace of God has been deposited in you. The, author the authority of Jesus Christ is inside of you. And we walk it around like we're worms and we're not good enough. We don't measure up. And so when we pray, we don't pray with confidence because we, we look at what we deserve. We look at us. Don't look at you. Look at Jesus. How I many know oh, Jesus is spotless? Can I get an amen? Where are you this morning? How I many know oh, you are in Jesus? That means that you're spotless. That means that you have a right. Y'all tracking me here. See, the devil doesn't want the church to get a hold of this. Because once you realize you have the same authority that Jesus had when he walked the earth, the enemy ain't going to be able to take nothing from you no more. Yeah. In fact, he's going to be afraid of you. How many of y'all the enemy was afraid of Jesus? You see it in the scriptures. They said, oh, if you come to torment us before the time, <clears throat> we're going to look at that in scripture. Jesus is like, go. 2,000 devils cast out of somebody with one word. That's how powerful Jesus was. And how many know he placed that kingdom inside of us? But if we don't realize that we have it and we don't awaken to it, we're going to be just like my mom driving around lost with a GPS right there on her dashboard. Like, oh God, begging God for something He's given us. See, if you beg God for something that He's already given you, you He just can't really talk to that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, if, it's, let's say, for example, that Brian gives me, give me, all right, I'll take your cane. He gives me, and, and I'm just like, please give me this. Please give it to me. Please, won't you please? How I many you know that is going to frustrate him and frustrate me and make things weird? <laughs> But how many times do we like beg God for stuff that He's like, oh Lord, I just want to be made right with you. Oh Lord, just please create in me a new heart. Yes, that is an Old Testament prayer. If you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have a new heart. You can't go back to begging God for salvation that He's given to you. If you are begging God for something that He's given to you, then we are in unbelief. And we're insulting the, the work of the cross. Did David ask for a clean heart? Yes, he did. Was it appropriate for him to do that? Yes, it was. <clears throat> but how many know that once you get saved, God's not going to cause you to get born again again? God's like, I did a good job the first time. Just please enjoy it. And, and that statement is, is offensive to, to a religious mindset. But once God has, has saved you and once you've been born again, you don't have to beg God for what he's already given you. Like, that's like my kids coming downstairs one morning and be like, we please, we want to be your sons. Please, let, I just want to be a Johnson. 
I just want to be your son. I don't feel like I'm worthy to eat the cereal in my bowl. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm worthy to be. How I many know oh, that's so weird? And I'm going to be like, don't do that. You're freaking me out. <laughs> because they're begging for something that they were born with. But how many of us as Christians are begging God for something that we've already received? And so, you know, God really can't answer prayers like that. He's got to wait for you to wake up to who you are. Y'all tracking me here? I mean, like, this is what works. The other stuff don't work. I mean, it just don't work. I don't want to do things that don't work. You begging God for, for things, it just doesn't work. It's unbelief. God's given you stuff. And what he wants you to do is just operate out of the authority that he's given to you. Because he loves you. And so, in, in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28, it says, you know, this, we just talked about this, it says, when he came to the other side of the country, to the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce, so that no one would pass that way. And suddenly there cried out, saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God, if you come to torment us before the time? How I many they were scared of him because he was the king. And he came down, God came down in man form and said, I'm going to fix this. <laughs> and they were afraid because here they were illegally robbing man of his authority. And here comes the one that actually had authority in a human body. And so now a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him saying, if you cast this out, Permit us to go away into the herd of swine. So they're begging him because they're afraid because they know he has the power. And he says one word. He just says, I don't even think he yelled it. I think he's just like, go. Because that's all the king has to do. He's, and notice he's not like begging God that they're going to come out. Like he's not, oh God, please. No, he's like, me and my father are one. I do those things that I see my father do. I'm here. I have authority. I'm the king. These demons are occupying human beings, and they're not allowed to. The king is here. Go. And they left. And they ran violently down a, a steep thing and perished in the water. And then Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16. I'm going to go to a few verses here and get because we're going to move a little bit quicker. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. With a word. He spoke and healed all who were sick. And then, you know, we know in Mark chapter 4 and in verse 35, they're going to the other side. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And when they had left the multitude, they took him along a boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. That storm didn't come from God. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they woke him up and saying to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and he said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. What happened? The king spoke. The kingdom spoke. And he said to him, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly to one another. And they said, How can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? How many of the kings on earth? Now, how many know the king has left earth and he's in heaven, but how many of the king's still on earth? How's he on earth? He's on earth through us. He's still here. How many of he's still speaking through the storm? But he speaks through us. How many of the centurion, we're not going to go into this passage for sake of time, how many of the centurion understood authority? And the centurion was like, look, man, you don't even got to come, just speak the word. And Jesus is like, wow, you believe that? He's like, yeah, I'm a man of authority. And when I say something, it happens. He's like, he said, look, great is your faith. He said, many from the east and the west are going to come. And they're going to, how many of them on us, Gentiles, right? How many of them he was talking about? Because how many of the, the centurion was a Gentile? But Jesus just spoke, and how many know the servant was healed? Because the word is enough. How I many know oh, the word is enough? And that word is in our mouths. Amen? Now, Matthew chapter 14, you can actually turn there. People, I think the disciples started to recognize that Jesus, whatever he said happened. I think they started recognizing like, whatever this guy, I, his mama understood it. How I many of oh, the first miracle? 
And she, she came. She's like, look, Jesus, you know, they ran out of wine. They need some help. And Jesus is like, hey, it's not my time yet. And so she brought the servants and said, whatever he saith to you, do it. Because like the king, well, how many of the, wherever the word of a king is, there's power. And so finally, Jesus got to probably release from his father to do it. He just said, hey, go fill the water pots up. <clears throat> he told them to do something. They stepped out on it, and how many of the water turned into wine? Because whatever he says happens. Matthew chapter 14, verse 25, it says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Now Peter does something really crafty right here. It's kind of cool. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, why did he say it like that? Because he knew that if Jesus told him to come, he'd be able to come. Because he'd been watching him all this time. And he started realizing, whatever this man says, it happens. So he kind of put Jesus in a spot. He said, hey, if it's you, tell me to come. He said, come. He said, whoo, it's on now. Let's go. And there he is walking on the water. Why? Because he realized that the kingdom in Jesus was more powerful than the laws of nature. The kingdom in Jesus was more powerful than demons. The kingdom in Jesus was more powerful than, than lack. They were able to take that, small, that boy's uh, lunch and feed the masses. The kingdom in Jesus, listen, was more powerful than death. Death people couldn't, dead people couldn't stay dead around Jesus if he, if he decided to speak life because he had authority over everything. And then how many know that after he died and raised from the dead, he actually had even greater authority? Because now he, had, he has authority over heaven and earth and under the earth. He has authority over everything. And then he said, here are the keys. Greater things than this will you do. I'm out. And so the keys are with us. What are your keys? The keys is this, is that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's your number one key. If you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're right with God. <clears throat> you're as you should be before the Father. In your spirit, your spirit is sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're right with God in your spirit. I mean, you can still make mistakes in your thoughts. You can still make mistakes with your hands. But you can't sully the born-again spirit. You can't change your identity. Because you've been sealed by the incorruptible word of the living God. You have to understand that. You have to get that reality down on the inside of you because if you don't have that reality inside of you, then the enemy's going to talk you out of your authority. It'll be like, oh, but wait a minute, but what about what you said? What about what you, what about what? The enemy will never put your attention on Jesus. Yeah. Because when you behold Jesus, you can walk on water. He's always going to get you looking at you. Because there's nothing in us that qualifies us to operate in this type of authority. And if you think that your actions qualify you to operate in this type of authority, then you're the most deceived on earth. You're self-righteous. How many of there are some people that think that they're so awesome that God hears their prayers more than somebody else's prayers? Thus the most deceived group of people on earth. I used to be one of those people. I did. I was so, man, I was so, I was just, I'm on fire for God, you know, and, and all that type of stuff. We were trained that way, but it's not true because, but the kingdom is a product of being born again. The kingdom is a product of being a new creation. So the keys of this, that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but how many know that the righteousness, which is of faith, speaks? Gotta speak. Amen? Let's turn to Mark chapter 11. A couple more places and we close. But I'm trying to get you to use your authority. I'm trying to get you to, to, to um, exercise what the kingdom has given to you. Mark chapter 11, verse 20, it says, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now listen, when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, he didn't speak to it and say, I curse you. <clears throat> you know what he said to it? He said, No man eat fruit from you hereafter and evermore. See, what you have to understand is speaking negatively over something is cursing it. 
How many of you know you don't want to speak negatively over anything with the authority that God has given you? So Jesus went by, he cursed the fig tree. He said, nobody's going to eat fruit of you ever again. Now let's see what happens. Peter's like, look, that thing's withered up. It's dried up. It's gone. How many of you know Peter's learning something here? He's like, this guy has authority that's beyond anything we've ever seen. And Jesus answered him and said, <clears throat> have the God kind of faith or have faith in God for surely I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have what else whatsoever he says. How many know inside of you there's power? That's why what you say is so important. You know what the worst thing you can do against your own authority is to lie. When you lie, you train yourself not to believe yourself. Lying is one of the most destructive things you can do for your faith. Because I, how many know, and, and I've spent many, of my, many years of my life as an accomplished liar, so I know about being a liar. <clears throat> when you lie, you teach yourself not to trust you. It's not worth it. <clears throat> it's, not, it's not worth forsaking your authority. Because like, if you say things you don't believe and you fabricate lies and you lie, your heart doesn't trust you. So all the power that's in you, your heart's not on board with your words. Y'all tracking me here? So like, don't lie. Don't, don't stop lying. Not because like, you know, if you, you know, like if, you know, if, if I don't lie, then I'll be right with God. No, you're right with God even when you make mistakes because your rightness with God is not the product of your ability. It's the product of you being saved by Jesus. But when you lie and you speak lies, you're hurting your authority because you don't trust yourself and your heart doubts you. So like, you know, and we have these concepts of a little white lie and stuff like that. It's not worth it. Just tell the truth all the time. It, it will cause your heart to trust you. And let me know what else it's going to do. <clears throat> I feel like just leaping because this is so important. It's going to make your life so much more simple. So many times, what do I say? What do I do? The truth will be sufficient. <laughs> what am I going to say? What am I going to do? What am I going to say? Just the truth. Well, what are we going to, how are we going to just tell the truth? And I'll tell you what, dude, it's amazing. You just start telling the truth and your life gets so much easier. And you know what starts happening? You start having more and more confidence because you trust yourself. And then you don't have to pretend like you're somebody that you're not. You don't have to fabricate lies. You don't have to think about all this stuff. And you know what happens? The power inside of you starts getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And now when you speak, you believe what you say. And there's power in your words. Like when you speak, like there, there, there's, how many know as I'm speaking to you right now, I believe what I'm saying? How many know you can feel it? There, there, there's a power in it when somebody believes what, you're, what they're saying. God bless you guys. I understand. It's all good. Be at peace. I got little ones at home right now, so I understand. Um, but, but how many know if, so, if, if I were standing up here and I didn't really believe what I was saying, it wouldn't have the same impact on you? They wouldn't carry power. But because my heart is behind it, and when I speak it, you can feel it because, because, there, because I believe it. And so, like, what if you believed everything that you said? You know I, mean? I mean, you know, you would grow in confidence and you could just be yourself wherever you were at. You didn't have to pretend like you're anything for anybody else. You could just be yourself. Boy, I try to get this message over to young people. Because young people, man, they're trying to figure out who they are and they're trying to get, you know, they're trying to find their confidence in about a million different things. I mean, you know, adults are like that too, but when you're, when you're a teenager, man, it's a time when you're really trying to figure out who you are. And I just want to get to them, you don't have to be anything for anybody. It doesn't matter what kind of shoes you have on or, 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 or what kind of clothes you have on. Your, 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 your confidence are not in those things. If, you, if I can just teach you to just be yourself, like you are enough. How I many know if a young person can get a hold of that, it'll spare them years of trouble? Because, man, when you just know who you are and you just are who you are and you just speak who you are, how many people respect it? Because they know that you believe it. And so any area of our life where we're lying, we're actually messing up the flow of the power of the kingdom. 
And I mean, we live in a world where we're taught to lie. Little white lie here, little white lie there, little white lie here, make your life a little easier, little white lie here. And you know what? You, it may be a Band-Aid that you can put on a situation or a circumstance, but you're doing damage to the power on the inside of you. Now, you, you, you telling a little white lie is not changing your standing with God because your standing with God was not given to you based upon your ability to tell the truth. Your standing with God was given to you based upon your ability to believe the truth. <laughs> but what is happening is you're training your heart to not trust you. And so your words don't have power. Because, I mean, if you don't believe what you say, how's anybody else going to believe what you say? I mean, when Jesus spoke, he believed what he said. And so when he told 2,000 demons to go, they went. Because he spoke the truth. So this is like a little pause in the message to encourage you don't, don't deceive your own heart with falsehood. It's not good for you. Right? Just tell the truth. Tell the truth all the time. It gets easier and easier. And then you just start telling the truth and you start operating in integrity and there's so much power in it. And then you're just confident. And then you know what to do every time. You know exactly what to do. What are you going to do? Just tell the truth. <laughs> I know this is like the most simple thing in the world. But how many know we live in a world that is filled with lies? There are lies everywhere. I mean, I'm talking like lies on the television, lies on the radio, lies in business dealings, lies in marriages, lies on social media. Lies are everywhere. Be somebody that tells the truth. Be somebody that walks in truth. Be different. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the truth will always have more power than a lie. Because the truth don't need anybody's amen. It don't need nobody's vote. The truth's like, I'm the truth. <laughs> I, and there's power in truth. And but but like we've spent so much of our time in a culture filled with lies that many of us have learned how to play that game. And I'm telling you right now, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom always tells the truth. And there's power in it. And it's not going to make your life more difficult. It's going to make your life easier. Just tell the truth all the time. Just try it out next week. <laughs> Monday morning, just try it out. Just give it a shot. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that we're all a bunch of lying scoundrels. I'm not saying that. But we live in a world where it's easy. Well, I was late because, you know what I'm saying? Or I was this. Well, you know, and it's not like a flat out lie, but it's a stretch of the truth. You know, I was late because I was lazy. <laughs> and I didn't want to get out of bed. And, 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 and it was all I could do, you know what I'm saying? And be like, okay, cool. Don't you like it when people are talk straight with you? The longer I live, I just love it. Just, just tell me, just, just tell me what, what you really think. Don't tell me all this. Just tell me the truth. Gosh, it makes life so much better. So anyway, in order to operate in this power that I'm talking about, we got to just speak truth so that your own heart won't doubt you when you speak. Y'all tracking me here? All right, Acts chapter 3, and we're closing. I have, seven, I have three minutes. Three minutes. I can do it in three minutes. Amen. I'm going to honor the time, man. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now, you know, if the glory of God comes in here and shuts the service down, we'll turn the clock off, but it ain't like that today. <laughs> we're learning. We're just being taught. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Now when Peter... And John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the temple, at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Now, how many know Jesus at this point, he's gone, he's in heaven, but how many know he's in Peter and, and James and John? He's in them. And so the king's still here, but he's operating through his people. Listen to me, which is what he's always wanted to do. God has always wanted to live in his people. And you know what he's always wanted to do? He's always wanted us to have the authority. When God created earth, he gave Adam and Eve authority. He always wanted us to be rulers with him. God ruled the heavens, we ruled the earth. And so, the, so God said, y'all messed it up, so I'm going to have to come back down and fix it as a man and give y'all back authority. So here these regular dudes, regular fishing dudes, are walking around with the king on the inside of them. And so... They entered the temple, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, the guy who was laid at the gate, saw Peter and John, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, fixing his eyes on him with John. Peter said, look at us. 
and he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. How I many old Peter is not begging God for healing? Peter says, I got something. I got power, exousia, authority. Regular dude, but there's a king living on the inside of me. He didn't say, let me, let me pray and ask if it's God's will to heal you. Let me beg God to heal you. No, no. How I many the kingdom's walking around in a man? This is God's dream. God's dream's about to happen. That's what God wants. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength so that he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that he was the one who sat begging at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What did they do? Hamiel spoke. The kingdom spoke and said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. How I many didn't say in the name of Peter? <clears throat> didn't say in the name of John? Didn't say in the name of his church? In the name of Jesus. But he said, I'm carrying something. And I'm going to speak it out. And something amazing is going to happen. We're going to break the laws of reality. We're going to break the laws of physics because where the word of a king is, there's power. How I many know we need that type of display of the kingdom out there? That's what's going to change everything. Our government can't fix this. Uh, this thing's too broke for a man to fix. The governments of the world can't fix this thing. This thing is broke. But, you know, but God wants His kingdom to fix it. In a grassroots way, regular people like us operating in the authority of the kingdom. And then I'm going to bring out one other point and we'll close. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to them. This is an important part. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently on us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Because what's about to happen? Humans are so prone to worship the wrong thing. We just love to worship stuff. And that what was about to happen? We're about to set up the first church of Peter and John. We're about to put Peter and John and put them on a pedestal. We're about to duplicate everything that they did. We're about to worship the method, about to worship the man. Because these guys are so righteous and so holy and so awesome. I want to be like Peter. For three easy payments of $19.99, you too can be just like Peter. Thank God they didn't say that because they knew better. And this is what they said. They said, get your eyes off of us. It wasn't our godliness that put, produced this. Peter could have probably just cussed somebody out in the marketplace right before then because you know how Peter was. <laughs> I'm not saying he did that, okay? But I am saying that he was a man and he wasn't perfect. And if there's anything you know about Peter, Peter was never perfect. Peter, made, Peter, Peter kept his foot in his mouth. The only time Peter put his foot out of his mouth is when he pulled it out to insert the other foot into his mouth. I mean, Peter, in the middle of the Mount of Transfiguration, is like, Lord, should we make three tabernacles? And Almighty God was like, be quiet. <laughs> That's what he said. He's like, this is my son, hear ye him. Because Peter was just like... But how many of God loved Peter? And Peter's faults didn't cause God not to put his kingdom inside of him. Even after, God, even after Peter denied the Lord three times, he restored him and brought him into a place of leadership. So Peter's like, look, man, it's not my godliness. But such as I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Listen, that same name of Jesus is given to you. There's power in it. Use it. Can you get an amen? amen. And it's the product of you being right with God because of the blood of the Lamb. Let's unleash the kingdom in our homes. Let's unleash the kingdom in our neighborhoods, in, in the workplace. Let's start, let's start praying for people and operating in authority. We're going to continue to learn how to do this, but it's always going to come back to your mouth. So what you say, amen?
And I would encourage you, don't lie. And I'm not, I'm not setting up like this thing where you have to be careful with any form of, of uh, legalism. I'm not saying that if you tell a white lie that all of a sudden you're disqualified from the kingdom. I'm not saying that whatsoever. How I many you know Peter lied when he denied the Lord three times? <laughs> he lied three times with swearing and cussing. So I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we want that, the power source of you, of you trusting yourself and you not doubting in your own heart. Y'all tracking me here? To where your, your words carry something because you believe what you say. All right? But, but what's bigger than your lying or not lying, bigger than my lying or not lying, bigger than our conduct is the king that's on the inside of us. Y'all tracking me here? So, how I many you know, such as you have, you'll give. You got Jesus Christ, man. Give him. Give him. Give him. Give him. He wants expression in the earth. Amen? All right. So, we're, 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 well, hold on, I gotta, we gotta, we gotta read down just a touch. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go, but you denied the Holy One and the Just One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, which we are witnesses through his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you now see. Yes, the faith which comes through him, Jesus. It's always about Jesus. He brought it back to Jesus. Amen? Okay. Father, we just thank you and praise you that you help us to operate in the kingdom. Teach us how to do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to give an on this morning.